Welcome to Onward, the podcast where we explore social innovations and chat with the entrepreneurs moving them forward. I'm your host, Daniel Weinsman. In recent years, we've talked to a host of innovators working to bring green energy solutions to the masses, but there are always hurdles to scaling. Given the pace of development over the last century and the amount of investment in our current carbon-based economy, flipping the switch on renewables overnight is, unfortunately, not realistic. While moonshots are exciting, they are rarely realized in the time horizons purported. The more realistic approach is a gradual transition from gas to green energy sources. Transitional technologies are vital to helping consumers, titans of industry, and the complex supply chain that connect them move away from the practices of yore into the visions we hold for the year 2030 and 3020. Today, I'm speaking with Hitesh Junija, a globally recognized innovator who is applying his acumen and activating his network to help communities destroyed by the oil extraction practices of yore revitalize their communities improve their assets and help the global oil and gas industry begin to transition to cleaner and greener practices. Hitesh, thanks so much for joining me on the Honored Podcast today. How's it going out there? It's going very, very well. Thank you for having me. You're working on forwarding a really incredible project. What is the problem that Solar Oil Project is trying to solve? So uh, there are actually a few different problems we're solving, but it's actually encapsulated really well in our overall company name. So we are the Beyond Oil company that is heading the solar oil project. And um, the Beyond Oil name really encapsulates what we're trying to do, which is move the economy, move our society as a whole beyond just oil. And a major issue that we see in that is that a lot of people who are all on board with that mission, but the specific process of how we do that has to be managed a little bit better than what we've seen so far. Uh, you can't just say, hey, we're just going to force everybody to switch to renewable energy and call it done, right? It doesn't work like that. In fact, the people hurt the worst by that are the people who are economically the weakest because fossil fuel energy is the most important source of energy for them at the moment. It is the cheapest one for them. So the way we charted out this process was the first thing we need to address is let's recycle oil, okay? Which is kind of a game-changing idea because we all understand recycling. Everybody's been doing it for a long time. We, we get it's a normal thing, but nobody has done that in the oil industry appropriately. And what that means is that we can eliminate new drilling of oil or at least dramatically reduce it. What we can do is go to old oil wells that have already been drilled that are economically not viable with current technology and replace that technology with new stuff that is much more efficient. We like to call it hyper-efficient. And now we can actually take those old oil wells, we can recycle them, we can pull out the oil from them and work with them. Now, incidentally, this solves three major problems. The first is the problem caused by abandoned oil wells. Uh, this is something that's not typically discussed in the news media because you know the average person can't do anything about it. But the abandoned oil wells are one of the major climate catastrophes at the moment. We are currently expecting around half a trillion dollars will be spent just on cleaning up old oil wells that are now leaking chemicals into the environment. They're damaging the soil. They're uh, damaging the water table. So this solves that because we take those oil wells and instead of just ignoring them, we now turn them into viable assets. 
Secondly, because now we're able to produce oil and contribute that oil into the economy, we're able to uh, lower the, the requirement of new drilling of oil. And the third thing we're able to do is produce oil now at a lower price point with a much lower carbon footprint. So now we're producing oil at a much lower economic cost and a much lower environmental cost. And finally, we're able to share this oil production with all of our token holders in our project. And that solves the question of what is the financial viability of the project? How is this profitable or not? Because far too many green projects are technically just donations, right? They're, they're just saying donate to the green projects because it's good for the environment. But we have come up with something that's good for the environment. In fact, amazing for the environment, but is actually fundamentally profitable and is good for the people who participate in the project as well. So hopefully I've done a good job answering what we're trying to solve. We're, we're solving quite a few things. Yeah, you, you opened up a Pandora's box of questions now. So you mentioned token holders. So uh, for those not familiar, that means that this is a blockchain based project. Why are you uh, sourcing this project on the blockchain? Can you talk a bit more about how the blockchain's enabling fractionalized energy finance? Sure, absolutely. So one, one portion of it is that it is enabling uh, flow of capital in a much more accurate manner than you know, traditional financing options have done in the past. <clears throat> what this lets us do is drive capital to the manufacturers of these kind of you know, pneumatic, eco-friendly pumps, solar-powered pumps, things like that. We're able to actually send the capital to those things. Um, but secondly, a, a more important aspect of this is it allows us to take the production of oil, take that commodity, tokenize it, and put it on our platform. So the average person can now participate in trading that against other assets like gold and so on, and other blockchain assets like Bitcoin, which is the industry first. Nobody's actually done it so far where you're taking actual production of commodities and putting it on the blockchain. So that's the first, first major benefit. The, the way the capital is able to be directed, also the way it allows everybody to participate in it for you know, varying price points. Nobody has to come in and spend millions of dollars or thousands of dollars even. Uh, they can participate at a lower price if they want. But fundamentally, it allows them to now participate in this market on the blockchain where it is very transparent. They can trade it against other assets. But there's another reason as well. It's because of where we see this going. So this is the starting stage of our, of our process of what we're doing. Where we want to go over time is build a decentralized network of oil wells themselves. So we are installing monitoring systems in each of these wells and they will feed data constantly into the system showing what's going on with each well and essentially note all of that on the blockchain as well. So over time, we will start creating a record of a network of solar energy and a network of oil production. We are also moving into natural gas and other assets, but a production of all of these things that will all be noted on the blockchain. So everybody has a visible view of where this is coming from what are the areas where, which are the most profitable? What are the areas that are most productive and things like that. And then as that starts happening, when you get more of that data, the analytics from that allow other people who are also in the industry to come in and say, here's how we can make this more efficient. We see that there is a lot of production coming from you know, Oklahoma and this specific area in Oklahoma, there are certain things we can contribute to make this even more efficient. So the idea is to build a very open network of production that is data driven that other developers can then look at and interface with and say, here's how we can improve it further. 
and essentially develop an, a completely decentralized infrastructure on the energy side as well, which also makes us a very good solution for security options like national security issues. I think right now we have an event going on where a pipeline was hacked and so on. Uh, this is something we're trying to do where you have a secondary energy grid altogether, where you have these small decentralized wells putting out energy in terms of commodities. And then you have these, the solar grid, that's an alternative solar grid because they're all decentralized small panels, not one giant solar park. So there, there are a lot of different benefits that will come out of this, but that's why we're being, hopefully we are, people can see, we're trying to be forward thinking about this on where this can go because these deployments are not short-term things, right? You don't go out there and put an oil pump in or put a solar panel down and think, oh yeah, great, six, you know, next six months are covered. You're, you have to take a vision of what's gonna happen over the next five years, 10 years, 20 years, because this is actual physical infrastructure that's being laid in the ground. So you mentioned a few innovations here. One is the network, the platform that's going to be facilitating the transfer of the data. And then yeah. there's also the pumps. Can, so can you speak a bit more about the state of these technologies? Do you have of patents? Course. Are they mm -hmm. being engineered, implemented? Where are we? Absolutely. So that's one of the things that I'm probably the most proud of about this project, especially when you refer to a blockchain project. This is not vaporware. We didn't come up with an idea and say, you know what, let's go to the market and talk about it. Uh, what we did is since 2017, these pumps have been deployed in the fields being tested from prototype development stage. And before we actually built the online platform, we had these pumps in the ground, pumping oil, getting a lot of feedback on what needs to be improved and so on. This is patented. Uh, the actual patent holder is one of the partners on the project. Uh, he is somebody we work with directly. It's actually all of this information is available on our website on solaroil.io. If anybody wants to go to the behind the scenes page, they can see all of this data on there. They can see the patent on there and so on. So yes, this is very well tested technology. Uh, we spent a lot of time getting to the stage on the pneumatic pumping side, which is the pumps that we deploy on these oil fields. On the uh, commodity exchange side, which is the blockchain driven commodity exchange system, uh, we actually released that in April. So just a month ago, as of this uh, podcast, we released that a month ago. It's again, brand new technology. Uh, there is nothing patented on that yet. And then the interface that we're gonna build for the energy side, which will allow other people to interface and view the data from all these oil wells and so on is probably realistically speaking about 18 months to somewhere between 18 to 30 months out. Wow, so you've already got wells in the ground pumping, you've got people on the platform. Um, how many soil oil, I can't say that word, solar oil pumps are actually deployed as right now? Um, as of right now, we have a few hundred of them out there. Um, the exact number is, it, it constantly switches, right? Because we have pumps that we turn on, turn back on, things like that. And we are constantly adding new pumps as well. At this moment in time, we are somewhere in the 200s in the number of pumps that are out there actively working. Um, and in what geographies are these? At the moment, we are focused almost entirely in the Southern US area. So we are in Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Louisiana. We are looking at expanding into Kansas and Pennsylvania, but you know that depends on a few different factors. 
So when I drive around California, I see some of these uh, old iron knotting donkey type wells, and it looks like there's an enormous amount of energy that goes into just the, the action of extracting the oil. So is solar actually the primary source of energy for the oil extraction? Um, in our case, it can become that. Okay, so I'll actually walk you through it very quickly. And if there are you know, any, any fellow geeks listening in, I think you, they'll enjoy this a little bit. So the way this functions is that we have a series of pneumatic pumps that are installed in a, in a well. And these pneumatic pumps are powered by an air compressor. The air compressor essentially uh, gets them to 175 PSI, in some cases higher, slightly lower in some cases, but we have it around 175 PSI. Um, that air is what pushes the fluid out of the ground, okay? Hence the name air lift. So it literally lifts the fluid out of the ground into these pumps one stage at a time. Okay, so think of it almost like an elevator, which has different floors. And it's, it's hitting each of those stages as it comes out of the ground. And the solar panels power that air compressor. So once we have sufficient air pressure maintained, it's fairly easy to keep it going with just the solar panels themselves. Now, in every scenario, we do connect into the grid because we have to make sure that there is backup available in case there is you know, bad weather and stuff and we do need extra energy. It can pull from the grid. And also when we produce excess, we can push it back into the grid. So solar panel is sufficient in our case to power these air compressors and therefore power all these pneumatic pumps. But it's not the primary source of the energy savings. The energy savings don't come, and especially the cost savings, don't come just from the solar side that contributes to it, but most of it comes from these new pumps themselves. Because these pumps don't have the issues of corrosion, they don't have the issues of any moving components above the ground, there is literally no maintenance above the ground because there's nothing moving. As you said, when you drive around and you see these old uh, donkey pumps or pump jacks, you see them, they're constantly moving. They're moving up and down. There's a belt that's running it. There are motors that are moving. There are bearings that have to be replaced because they will run out eventually. So we save tremendously on all of those aspects. Lower energy costs, lower energy consumption, uh, no moving components, corrosion resistance. It's a combination of all these different things, which allows us to then get the cost of production down by 40 to 60%. Whoa. Thank you for geeking out and taking me down that road. I, not being somebody uh, deep in this industry, there's so many nuances of the process that just are blind to. Yeah. So it's really fascinating to hear more about this. Yeah, and I like going into a little bit of detail as well, because again, I really like to highlight that this is a very well-engineered, well-thought-out project. Like it's been years in the making. It's been a lot of capital in the making. It's not something like, oh, we have an idea, guys. We can go do oil production better than people who have done it for 100 years. We can't. So we go and work with the very top experts in each of these areas and make sure that we're working with people who are actually in the field. It's exciting that, you know, you have this bold vision, but it's being actualized in such short order. So who's on the team that's making this happen? Uh, we have some exceptional people on the team. And again, this is available on our site. So if anybody wants to go to Solar Oil and look at the team page, um, we have very, very good minds working on this. So if you look at our commodity production side, we have um, people consulting with us on this, like Doug Gaines, who actually owns a bunch of wells himself. He has been in the energy industry for 30 years plus. 
We have Gary, who is literally the, the inventor of these pneumatic pumps, the patent holder of these pumps. He is literally one of the people that we work with on our commodity team. Uh, we have a couple hedge fund managers who specialize in derivative trading, and they kind of advise us on what they see happening with the market in the futures for oil and gas and so on, so we can plan accordingly. This, this is a very, very good team. Um, I myself have a background in genetics and biotech, and I actually worked a lot on alternative energy mechanisms. So one of the reasons, if you can tell by my accent name, I actually came to the US on a scholarship. One of the reasons why I got that was because I developed a microbial fuel cell when I was in high school. So I've always been very interested in how we can take a different approach to energy production and bring efficiencies to the market. And uh, you know, this one is just such an easy thing to improve. When you start looking at it, you can find all these small incremental improvements you can make. And then the pneumatic pumping is just such a leap forward for low production wells that typically get abandoned. It's, it's just a layup for anybody who's really into the space. One of the reasons why I've been really excited about this project is because it is a transitional technology. There's a lot of moonshots that folks are discussing out there, but we need something that gets us from the current state and all the you know investment in the uh, carbon-based economy and moves us closer to the, the, the green future that a lot of us are hoping for. So I, I'm curious, given the, the folks on your team, the industry experts that you're connected to, what's, what's your outlook on the oil markets moving forward? Um, first off, we anticipate the oil markets are actually going to go up for the foreseeable future. Um, the, the situation that we had with the pandemic, with COVID, where we temporarily had a big reduction in the price of oil due to lack of demand, that actually created this big opening in the market because so many people who were not very efficient essentially went out of business, right? So they ha you have all these oil wells and fields that need to be turned back on. So there is actually somewhat of a shortage coming in. There's, we have soaring demand at this point and foreseeably, and it's not just coming from me. If you look at Goldman Sachs, if you look at JP Morgan, all of their analyses currently is pointing to somewhere in the $70 to $100 range. In some cases, they're giving much higher price points for crude oil. So that's the immediate idea behind it. We see a very good use case for the oil industry as it is for the next 20 years. Our aim is to be very active in these 20 years to transition us off of oil as much as possible. So like you said, we are transitional. Our focus is to move us beyond oil, but you don't move us beyond oil by just you know, stamping our feet and yelling really loudly at people and saying, oh, stop using oil. Right. You can't do that. We are saying, let's make it so much more efficient. We can reduce the cost. We can offset the carbon footprint. We can stop new drilling. And then over time, introduce new sources into the mix. So like I mentioned, you know, microbial fuel cells, uh, looking at things like hydrogen production, we are looking at all of those, all of those possible solutions as well, but those will have to be introduced over time and kind of replace the, the requirement that we have on the side. So overall, the outlook from our perspective looks very good for when we have started the project and where we are in the process. And, and when you share this vision with folks uh, that are kind of the titans of the gas and oil industry, are they excited about the prospects of green tech integration? Are they resistant given the current state of investment and extraction infrastructure? What's, what's their reaction? Look, I know it's a bit of a meme to reference the, the evil oil tycoon all the time. Right. Um, but I have not found that to be the case at all. 
we have not spoken to anybody who is resistant to it. In fact, everybody that we have spoken to about the project, once they do the due diligence, they look at what the technology is, they look at the headway we made in it, every single one of them says, this is fantastic. By the way, I have some oil wells, would you like to try this out on it? And that's how we've built up our portfolio. Like majority of our portfolio is comprised of people that we have talked to about the project, what we are doing on the blockchain side, what we are doing with the pneumatic pumping. And then they say, I would love to contribute some of my assets and my oil wells to you guys and see if we can make this work. So that's how we have actually expanded now to almost 200 million barrels of oil is available to us to go and work with. So that is not the case at all. We have not found any resistance. We have found plenty of support, but also it's realistic support. They understand like what we've been saying, right now our technology is well suited for low volume oil wells, low production wells. It's not very well suited for high volume wells that account for you know, roughly 80% of total oil production at the moment. But 20% of oil, oil production is already a very significant thing, especially since that's where majority of the abandoned wells come from. So we are very clear about what our mandate is, what kind of wells we're gonna work with. We're not trying to rebuild the entire oil industry. We're trying to take a very important section of it and make that better so we can solve the abandoned well issue at least. So I'm sure you have sparked the, the interest, the curiosity of some of our audience. Um, why should people become token holders in the soil oil, solar oil project? And how do people get involved in, in this new economy that's being built out on this network? So look, the process is very simple. They just go to our website, they create an account. There are no costs to do so. They can create an account. They can look at all the information and data on the site. Um, when they are ready to purchase some tokens, they can purchase them. And then they stake those tokens to work in a portfolio towards oil production. And that's all the function of our token. And so I want to be very clear. This is not a speculative token. This is not something that you buy and you say, oh, I'm going to wait for this to moon and I'm going to try to cash out money. I'm going to trade this on exchanges. This is a non-speculative token. It is literally designed for one function only. It is for you to stake it to into a portfolio towards oil production that happens from those portfolios moving forward. Once you do so, you now start receiving a portion of that oil production. And we have some very helpful calculators on the site. So first of all, people should do this because it's the socially responsible thing to do. It's a good thing to do. You're participating in something that's actually technologically viable. It's not some ideas, right? It's something real. But secondly, there are significant financial incentives to do so. I mean, it's a good idea to do so also because this oil production, since we know the price of oil is going up, as you receive this oil production, and since you're able to trade this oil production on our commodity exchange, you can also develop a very significant source of revenue over time. Um, you'll see a lot of the uh, calculations that we have online and the way that you can manage this, many people are, already over the last few months since our beta test opened, many people have already received tremendous oil production and they're doing really, really well with it. So there is a financial reason why people should consider doing it. Obviously this is not financial advice. There are calculators you should you know, review on the site, make your decisions based on that, but it's the right thing to do. It's the responsible thing to do. And it's also the profitable thing to do. And that's, that's one of the things that kind of sets us apart. Most things are either good or profitable. We are both good and profitable. Doing well and doing good. That's how we get yep. to a brighter future. Yeah. 
So when I talk to folks who are not so familiar with the blockchain space, and over the last year, it gets more and more, people are kind of inching their way towards it. I hear some uh, familiar refrains around the risks of the, the blockchain, different security concerns. So can you speak to some of the risks of participating in the soil, solar yeah. oil project and uh, the security measures in place? Yeah, absolutely. So. Again, we, we go into quite a bit of discussion of this on the site as well. Uh, the biggest risks that we face are those of you know what happens if the price of oil goes down and what happens if we don't receive enough oil production from some of these wells. So these are fairly well um, dealt with in the way the project is designed. We deal with the production issue by diversifying, right? The reason why we have multiple regions and why we work with multiple operators and we're trying to have a lot of different production going from multiple sources is to make sure that in case an operator or a series of oil wells in one location fails, we still have production coming in from other sites. And we give you the ability to check for that in the calculator itself, right? So you can make some changes and see what happens if you only get one barrel of oil per million tokens versus if you get five barrels of oil per million tokens, right? So we have things like that in place to mitigate some of that risk. Uh, in terms of the risk of oil, oil pricing, because we are lowering the cost of production to ourselves too, we are incidentally more profitable than most people are. So we are actually more profitable on low volume oil wells and shallow wells than a lot of people tend to be. So as the price of oil goes down, it's not going to be so damaging to our project as it is to traditional operators. So in, in some ways it actually pushes them towards adopting this technology faster. So the lowering price of oil is actually not that big of a concern for us either. Of course, it impacts you know, the net revenue that is generated from the oil, but because our margins are better, it, it's kind of in our favor. Um, there are a few other concerns like security, for example. So again, one of the good things here is that the capital that is generated is actually being deployed in something real. It's actually being converted into these, this equipment, into the oil wells and so on. So the risk of you purely just own digital assets and somebody gets hacked and now you have no value, that risk is substantially lowered. Um, and the blockchain itself makes this much more powerful from that perspective, because now you don't have a company, you don't have somebody like Solar Oil Project saying or Beyond Oil saying, oh, today our token price is this, right? We can't manipulate the market in that way because we don't, man we don't control the price of oil and our token is non-speculative, right? We're not saying we're gonna go listed and have it traded on multiple exchanges. So from all of those perspectives, you know, risks are fairly well managed, yet obviously there are risks in anything in life. Oil markets could collapse, token markets could collapse, any of that can happen. But overall, the risks that could be managed, we feel like we've done a pretty good job of managing those. This to me seems like a, an obvious and easy first step entree for folks interested in digital assets, yet not wanting to incur all the risks of owning something that isn't backed by anything physical. Um, so I, I really applaud you for, for the vision and constructing a immediately impactful and applicable and accessible use of blockchain technologies to address a current market issue. Um, I, I want to respect your time. I, I so appreciate the work that you're all doing and for sitting with me here today. What are your last words, your, your calls to action? Um, well, look, fundamentally, I would suggest that everybody should go to our site, 
take a deep dive through all the content we have there, all the information we have there. We have videos there and uh, and get active in the project. That's that's really what this is about at this point. We feel like we've done our part. We have developed it. We have brought the technology to the front. What we need now is more awareness. We need people talking about it. We need people participating. So if you are somebody who is interested in this space, you're interested in contributing to you know this evolving space and you want to also develop a very good potential source of revenue through oil production on the side, then you should participate on the solar oil project. You should purchase some tokens, stake him. Uh, and if you are somebody who is an influencer and you have you know some reach, some audience, you should be sharing this project. You should be talking about it and bringing some awareness to it. So that's what we would recommend. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, Daniel, this is really well suited for people who are not into the speculative, you know, nobody knows what this is backed by. Nobody knows what this token is for. Those kind of uh, scenarios. This is really well suited for people who are taking the steps and they want something that is based on reality. They want something that has something backing it and they want something they can physically go and see, touch, feel, and, and know that they are working with something that's genuinely making a difference. Hitesh, thank you so much for all your work moving our world into a more equitable, accessible economy. Um, appreciate what you do and your time here today. Keep up the great work. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me on. It was a pleasure. The last year, and especially the last decade, has shown us time and time again in every corner of the globe just how precarious and precious our energy systems are. Puerto Rico is left without power for months after a powerful hurricane batters her shores. Houston's left without power after an anomalous ice storm shatters records, pipes, and power lines. California's power is routinely turned off as our energy providers scramble to mitigate the implications of their antiquated infrastructure. Suffice it to say, our energy grid needs to be more resilient, and innovators like Hitesh are leading the way. Creating accessible tools and technologies to decentralize who can benefit from and access investing in a future forward fashion for communities to harness, distribute, and sustain a more just economy. I encourage you to get more information on Hitesh and solar oil in the show notes below. In the meantime, I also encourage you to learn more about Beyond Oil's vision at solaroil.io and considering inching your way into the global blockchain economy with the suite of tools that Solar Oil has created. Thanks for tuning in to the Onward podcast. It's your support, it's your feedback, it's your comments, it's your suggestions that are really driving this show forth. So if you've got any comments, feedback, questions, suggestions, connections, you name it, feel free to get at me at dweinzveg at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Daniel Weinsveg, spelled the same way. If you're enjoying the show, give it a like on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Make a comment, share it with somebody you think could be inspired, turned on, informed by the conversations we have here. A little social engagement on this weird technology mainframe goes a long way. Before I go, I'd like to give a big shout out to my dear friend, Jay Lately. Jay Lately's music is the soundtrack to the Onward podcast. So if you dig the tunes that's behind the music, the the intros, the transitions, that's all Jay Lately. Check him out on Spotify. He's been doing this work, following his heart, inspiring folks with his poetry, his words, and his passion 
for over 10 years. So once again, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, onward and upward.